Hello, this is Augustus and Tony Corbett, and you're listening to the Marriage Minutes Podcast. Where we use biblical principles to enhance marriages and eliminate divorces. For the next 30 minutes, get ready for lots of laughing, learning, and loving. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marriage Minutes Podcast, your number one source for biblical principles that enhance marriage and eliminate divorces. In today's episode, we will finish our discussion on handling marital conflict, which seems to be even more important during this pandemic. Please do us a favor and hit your share button and leave us a great review with five stars. With all of that said, thank you for tuning in. And hello to my sweetheart. How are you doing, babe? I'm doing well. How are you doing, babe? I am doing so well. So let me first of all, let both of us, first of all, offer a sincere apology to our listening audience because it has been several months now that we have done a podcast. Yes, I believe this is our second apology. So we really do apologize. It is a double apology. But believe you me, it's not because we haven't been working um, Pastor Corbett has been working on other podcasts and and other projects and initiatives to build the kingdom. So please accept our apology. Yes, absolutely. And like I said earlier, we have or we've been going through a pandemic. So that's kind of thrown everything off. Yes. Yes, it has. Definitely it has. So I'm sure people um, totally understand but we are back. Marriage Minutes are back. Absolutely. By the way, you're looking very spectacular. Thank you. You are handsome as always. Well, what is your secret? How are you staying so sexy, fine, and gorgeous over all these years? Well, let me tell you this, um, and I don't want to deter too much from us getting into our topic, but during this pandemic, I really did make a mind adjustment. I began to exercise more and change my eating habits. And believe it or not, I have lost about 18 pounds since the pandemic. So I'm very glad that I finally began to take control over my health. You know what? I I, I appreciate you mentioning that because you and I really embarked upon that journey as a matter of fact, we embarked upon that journey together. As a matter of fact, that needs to be an episode. Yes, we we'll have to make that an episode. Because that has been a serious journey, and we both have lost, lost in the neighborhood of, of about 20 pounds. Yes, yes. So we won't talk about that all tonight. We're going to stick with handling conflicts, but that will be one of our topics going forward. Because, you know, we have... Um, been emphasizing the spiritual, the health, and the economics. So we will definitely have that as a topic, the health of each one of the spouses in a marriage. Very good. With that said, why don't you kick us off as we again do part three of handling conflict. And I've added the word handling marital conflict since this is the Marriage Minutes podcast. Right. Okay. Very good. So I'm I'm really going to give a real, real, real brief overview for you all. If this is your first time listening to Handling Marital Conflicts, we have two other um, 
episodes prior to this. So please just go back and get all the material if you have not heard those before. But for our first time listeners, I will just kind of give you a backdrop. We initially said marriage is the fusion of two people. We said that these two people may have different worldviews, attitudes, temperaments, personalities. They even um, may have different political views, parenting styles. And one big takeaway, please remember this, that it is not whether you will have a marital conflict, but how soon will it occur and how will you handle it when it occurs? I always like to say that Jesus said to his followers in this life, you will have tribulation, tests and trials. So we are saying you will have conflict in your marriage, but you want to know how to handle those conflicts. And that's the information we hope that you would gather from this um, podcast tonight. Now, um, like I said, just briefly going over everything we said, um, there are four stages of conflict. And please keep in mind that this is original. We have not gotten this from any other um, murder consultants or relationship experts. This is Pastor Corbett and myself. We came up with four stages of conflict that we think that you can identify if you're um, if you're encountering conflict in your marriage. One may be a casual conflict. That's just your everyday common disagreements where we're going to go out to eat. You know, what cop, what color you want to carpet in your home, what size house to buy, those types of common everyday disagreements. How and many Pastor children? Corbett, how many children? Yes. Yeah. All of yeah. How many children? So many different things. But yeah, right. go ahead. And you jump in anytime because I'm just trying to really go through this briefly so we can get to the new material. Okay. Um, and then we also said that the casual conflict can be settled with some compromise and negotiating. Okay. It should not be earth shattering. You should not be on the way to the divorce court over a casual conflict. Okay. <laughs> and then what the, color the carpet is going to be right. Right. Please don't let that send you to a divorce <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> and then we said a second type of um, conflict, a second stage of conflict that we named is a constructive conflict. And this is a little more serious than the casual conflict. It would need both spouses attention so that things do not escalate. Okay. Um, so we said in this, however, this type of conflict with it being constructive, it really can end up strengthening and enhancing your marriage. And I quoted, um, something from this couple who wrote the book entitled men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. The authors are Bill and Pam Farrell. And they said successful couples, couples learn the secret of fighting for their relationship rather than against one another. So in this kind of constructive conflict, you can really use it Um, It's like constructive criticism of one another, and you can use it to enhance and strengthen your marriage. And then a a third stage of conflict we named crisis. Well, before you go on, every time you read the title to that book, 
I always have the question. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. And the question that I have is kind of silly, but it's still a question. Is the spaghetti wet or is the spaghetti hard? You know, it's hard spaghetti is, and I, I presume you're talking about the noodles. Yes, the noodles. Mm-hmm. All right. So if the noodles are not wet, then they're very brittle. They break easily. They're hardened. If they're wet, they're more malleable. So right. do the authors mean that women are like wet spaghetti noodles or dry spaghetti noodles? Yes, you asked me that the last time. <laughs> I, I don't know. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I assume probably um, malleable. You know, yeah, I think soft so. and, and malleable, and then waffles tend to be you know firmer, and all of that is what right. my guess would be. <laughs> That's my guess. Otherwise, there's no contrast there. Right. 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 Okay. Just a silly question. <laughs> no. No. I'm sure somebody else has the same question. So thank you for that. Um, The third stage of conflict would be what we call crisis conflict. Now, this um, conflict is when the relationship has reached a a critical point. And it may be where smaller issues, smaller, you know, more minute issues have really gone ignored or have been dismissed by one or both spouses. And now those issues have reached a boiling point. So you don't want to let smaller things escalate and reach the boiling point, because if you do, you might end up in this third stage of conflict, which is called crisis conflict. Or it could be just one major incident that is so egregious or offensive to a spouse that it causes for immediate intervention or action. An example could be adultery, domestic violence or homelessness. So those types of um, major incidents like that could be a crisis, would be in the category that we call crisis conflict, and it would need both spouses' attention. Well, I (laughs) I can just imagine there that this pandemic has brought forth many, many, many situations that would probably cause these types of conflicts, these um, um, crisis level conflicts, you know, financial issues, just the stress of having been sort of locked away for the last, um, what, year? Year. Um, Year almost exactly. There may have even been some sickness. Um, Someone may have been dealing with COVID. So, wow. Yes, a a plethora of things. You are so right. You know, um, mothers trying to homeschool their kids while yet working. Wow. I don't even, I can't even imagine that. I know. I can't either. (laughs) I can't even imagine that one. You know, trying to homeschool your kid. I mean, you're suddenly, you know, you're used to to working your career. And now all of a sudden you got to do what you got to do to help the kids get online, learn their material. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. I believe it really has taken a toll on some couples if they haven't had a a great support system or or have not known how to handle 
you know, these um, life changing events, because it's not only the parent trying to homeschool the kids. Then you got to think about your kids mental health. How is this affecting them? You know, and then you may have loved ones who maybe have gotten sick from COVID or God forbid, maybe even passed from COVID. Um, Loss of jobs, loss of income. I mean, everything just changed. Everything changed in this past year. Wow. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm glad you brought that up because we're definitely still in the pandemic um, period here. So we do definitely want to keep that in mind as we talk about this because you can help. And and we did a podcast episode dealing with some of the stressors uh, that came from COVID-19. So folks can go back and catch that prior episode. Yes. Thank you for um, reminding us of that. You're exactly right. So please go back and listen to some of the earlier um, episodes of this podcast. And then the fourth stage of conflict, we named the chaotic conflict. Okay. Chaotic conflict is when there is just no more order in the marriage whatsoever. The marriage is in disarray. It can be characterized by throwing plates and other items at one another, throwing the phone at someone, screaming, uh, God forbid, physical altercations and violence, sleeping in separate rooms, ongoing, unrepentant adultery, drug addiction by one of both spouses. Those types of things everyone would know would be chaos. And so we named that the chaotic conflict. And the marriage relationship in this uh, stage of conflict is really essentially over unless there is a real, real change of circumstances or the couple receives professional help, spiritual help, etc. So very quickly, I went over the four stages of conflict. And then we um, I believe we stopped the last time where we were going to talk about the consequences of unresolved conflict. Okay. And here we said that some of the consequences, if you just allow conflict to go unresolved, you're not trying to handle them. You just kind of want to sweep the conflict under the rug. It can really result in some bad things happening in your marriage and even um, within each other, each spouse, because a spouse could take on bitterness. It could be long-term bitterness if you don't handle um, the conflict. And Pastor Corbett, jump in any time. Um, sure. You don't want a root of bitterness to um, enter into either spouse because that bitterness is going to display itself one way or the other. Some people probably do not talk as openly as others. And so they will hold on to things and that will cause bitterness. And we don't want that to happen because if you continue to hold on to build bitterness and it becomes year after year, then it is going to show up one way or the other. You're going to be acting rude or hateful or ang- uh, anger, 
Okay. Right. So with the, the bitterness, you definitely want to take care of the conflict so it does not result in you holding bitterness in your heart towards your spouse because it would yes. definitely um, display itself. Yeah, uh, you definitely. may begin to add, you know, just very disrespectful to your spouse if you are holding on to some long-term bitterness um, in public, you're not giving your spouse the proper um, respect, you know, and honor that he or she deserves. So that is definitely one consequence of unresolved conflict. The well, something, something else that can arise from long-term bitterness as well is a um, wife, most likely, withholding sex. Oh yeah, definitely. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, you know, just not wanting to be touched, not wanting to be intimate, not wanting to be sexual because she has some stuff in her heart, some bitterness that has arisen from some unresolved issues. And obviously the shoe fits on both feet. Is that right? Is that the way to say that? Yes. Um, so yeah, both I know spouses, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true for both spouses, right? I mean, right. even the, even the husband can begin to not want to be intimate with his wife because he has some long-term bitterness. So so not only is there the disrespect in public, not only is, you know, the the conversation not happening the way it should, but the sex is not happening either. And I tell you this, a marriage without good sex is really, really, really in jeopardy. Yes, and we're going to do an entire uh, podcast on that too, how to keep the romance in the marriage, because you're exactly right. That's one of the um, one of the reddest red flags <laughs> that there is if there is no sex going on in a marriage. So you're exactly right. Amen. And I I, <clears throat> I say that on on behalf of all the brothers. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also, um, real close to that, real closely akin to long-term bitterness is the unforgiveness. You know, if you have bitterness in your heart, then there is some unforgiveness there as well. And, you know, we can spend a whole hour talking about the importance of forgiving your spouse you know, because um, as believers, and this is a Christian podcast for Christian couples, we are taught to forgive. So I, I remember, um, I guess is when you and I got married, um, Pastor Lockett, that was one of the foundations, foundational issues that he spoke over us that we have to have our marriage based upon the foundation of Christ, based upon forgiveness. And then he said also to have the blessing of our families. So um, forgiveness definitely is huge because if you are not forgiving your spouse and you hold on to that, you are hurting yourself. You may think you're hurting your spouse, but no, you are hurting yourself when you do not forgive. And forgive does not mean that you are excusing your spouse if they did something wrong, no, it just means that you, because you have the love of Christ in you, 
that you're going to release them from what they did wrong so that you can be free. In fact, the scripture says that we should not allow the sun to go down on our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our, uh, if we have an alt, you know, we should resolve that before we go to sleep. Don't sleep on it. Get rid of it. Deal with it before, uh, you know, you go to bed. So no issue should last overnight. Right. Now, let me ask you this. I heard one couple who had, um, they had been married um, at this time when they did this um, interview, they had been married like 61 years and they said the same verse, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And then they said in their marriage, they also would sometimes say, okay, well, we're going to table it. We're not going to go to bed mad but we still know we have to continue to talk about this the next day. So they still would resolve not going to bed mad, but that they would table whatever the discussion was until the next day, because they figured they still needed to work through some other, you know, things pertaining to that topic. What you think about that? Yeah, I think that is consistent with what that scripture says. It, it, it doesn't say, that the conflict has to be resolved that night before you go to sleep. It says not to let the sun go down on your wrath. So if the couple is able to talk about it and at least release the pressure, you know, kind of open the relief valve through conversation and uh, both of them um, are no longer angry about it, frustrated about it, you know, teed off about it. But, there's still more conversation that needs to happen. That sounds completely reasonable to me. So I will defer to the couple who has been married almost (laughs) twice as long as we have. (laughs) I I felt the same way when I heard it. I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely unforgiveness. Do not play around with unforgiveness in life period. And especially in your marriage. So uh, forgive your spouse. You all practice forgiving. I mean, that's what the Bible says. We are to practice forgiving. Why? Because our Heavenly Father forgives us on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. Okay? And then... You know, know, one of the things that um, I see a lot, you know, I am an attorney in addition to being a pastor. And our law firm handles divorce. And man, I can't tell you how many couples we've represented who are in divorce court because of unforgiveness. Yes. I mean, unresolved issues. Yes. As well as the first one, long-term bitterness. Um, and we try to counsel them, Chloe and I, especially me, since I have the marriage experience here. Uh, I try to counsel them to see if it's possible to work through some of those issues rather than going through the divorce. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes the divorce is inevitable, um, but a lot of it goes back to, in fact, one of the things, one of the episodes that we're planning is we're going to talk about some of the leading causes of divorce from um, from what I've seen as an attorney, 
uh, from what you've seen in your work, what we have seen over the years with friends and families. So that's up and coming. Yes, sounds good. So, so far we have said some of the consequences of unresolved conflict. One would be long-term bitterness. Second would be unforgiveness and how all those two are tied together and can just lead, can be like a snowball effect and just lead to other matters that would just make, um, make it difficult to remain in the marriage. And then a third consequence of unresolved conflict is that it can lead to poor modeling to the children in the home. In other words, it sets a, a poor example, a bad example. And this is so important, you all, because our children are looking at us not so much as what we say as they are, as what we do, what they see us doing. And as believers and Christians, we want to set a good example, not just for the church folks, but in our home and before our children. And if we have unresolved conflict, then it's going to show up. There may be some yelling and screaming and cursing and, you know, anything else that would set a poor example before the kids. And then the kids may not want to have anything to do with with um, marrying or with um, being a Christian, a Christ follower. So we definitely want to have a very, very conscious mindset that what we do in a home will affect our children. Okay. Yes. The children are going to learn how to handle conflict from the parents. Right. So as you said, if there's, if there is, if there's a lot of uh, what bitterness and fighting and, and, you know, you, I think you said cursing or cussing. um, And we see that Christians do cuss. We just, we just saw an example of that not long ago. Um, And, I guarantee you, Mr. Kirk Franklin is not the only Christian that uses choice words at times. Um, and we pray for Kirk and his family. Amen. And that, that is the exact type of, of marital conflict or, or family conflict. In this case, there's not, you know, there's not a marriage between Kirk and his father's, uh, his uh, son's mother, but that is family conflict. And by the way, one of the things that we also have to throw in here, there are a lot of blended families. Yeah. And that is a source of 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 frustration. I mean, just right by itself. You are so right. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So many blended families, so many kids having to come together with step parents, stepchildren, and you have to really, I mean, go overboard to try to harmonize the relationship and the the family dynamic when there's a blended family and and stepchildren are involved. So you're so right. But I can't, because I work in the field with families in crisis and children, um, abused and neglected children, I cannot emphasize enough how keep your children in mind during your marriage 
um, because as you say, in your law practice, children are in the middle. Children are in the middle. Oftentimes. And they, you don't know, long-term effects occur because of conflict that they have observed in the marriage. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to speed it up some because we want to get to the last section. Another uh, consequence would be extramarital affairs. If there's unresolved conflict, I mean, that's just point blank. I don't need to say much about that. If you have unresolved conflict, it can result in one spouse going outside the marriage to someone else that whom they are not married to. And then from there, it can lead to separation and ultimately divorce. So those are some of the con- consequences of unresolved conflict, long-term bitterness, unforgiveness, poor modeling to the children, extramarital affairs, separation, divorce. Now, this is where we want to get to. And this is the last section. What will be the cures of conflict? Okay. How do we resolve this then? You know, the Corbis, you all are telling us the four stages of conflict and what conflict is and what causes it and consequences. Well, how do we cure it? Well, let me tell you this. We have several things here and we'll go through them relatively fast so that we can um, not hold you too long. The first cure for handling marital conflict is studying the Bible to see how God says to handle conflict. Why? Amen. 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 Why would you go to the Bible? Because, and keep this in mind, this is a takeaway. God is the creator of marriages, not man. No man created marriage. God did. God is the creator of marriages. Marrying was his ideal. It is the first earthly institute God created. Marriage was, not the church. Marriage was. So first of all, go to the Bible, God's word. Since he is the creator, you want to go to him and find out how he says for us to handle conflict. And one of the best places in the Bible to go is the book of Proverbs. It has a lot of wisdom scriptures in it. In fact, it is the book of wisdom. And a lot of those scriptures has to do, a lot of those scriptures have to do with, with conflict, with anger, with, you know, um, talking too much. So many different things that contribute to conflict in relationships. Yes. Yes. Go to the book of Proverbs, read it together, take a chapter a day and read it together. And I'm sure both spouses will become wiser if you go to the book of Proverbs. And then over in the New Testament, there there are scriptures that talk about how to handle conflict. I mean, for relationships in general and then specifically for marriage. So please go to the Bible. Number two, the number the, the Tony, number two. Let me let me before you leave there, let me just say also about the word of God. It should be, it should be the deciding factor for every conflict. 
if married couples will agree that no one's opinion will trump the word of God, there is no conflict that they cannot overcome because they have a tiebreaker, and that tiebreaker is the word of God. And so if the, if, if the, if the husband's opinion is one thing and the wife's opinion is another thing, well, what do they do? They search the scriptures. Right. And whatever the scriptures say about a particular matter, that resolves that issue. Both, both people, both spouses should make that agreement up front. The word of God is the measuring stick. It is the final arbiter. It is the last word. It is the final word on any and every conflict that arises in the marriage. Now, if if the word of God is not particular, if it's not clear uh, on a particular area, then I think I won't jump ahead, but that's the next thing. So I'll I'll let you go ahead and introduce us to the next thing. But I'm so glad you said that because that same couple that I was listening to who had been married 61 years, they did say that the word of God, I mean, the the husband said, I don't see how couples say that they're they are divorced because of irreconcilable differences. And you know, in the legal field, I guess that's one of the reasons people can divorce irreconcilable differences. He that's said, right. I don't see how in the world, if you got two married people, love the Lord, Christ followers, how you don't reconcile because you let the word of God be the final say so, the final source on how you all resolve this conflict. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. OK, also, now, the second way that you can re- resolve and cure conflict will be to pray together. Pray together. And I think you were about to say, if the word of God doesn't talk specifically about the conflict that a couple is dealing with, pray together and see what what um, you sense after you have prayed together for a certain amount of time. And you could also couple praying with fasting and then see what type of peace you get in your heart as to how to handle that particular matter that you're dealing with. So you cannot forego praying if you are a believer. Now that makes me think of the fact that some couples are young in the Lord and may not yet know how to hear the voice of God when they pray. And that's why they need to make it a regular habit of spending time in the word of God, because the first rule of knowing if you heard from God is whether or not what you heard is consistent with the word of God. God would never speak anything that contradicts his word. So for young couples who are young in the Lord, who may be young in marriage, praying is essential. But at the same time, there needs to be a relationship with the word of God and We'll get to it down here a little further. There also need to be a relationship with a more mature believer so that they can 
ask that more mature believer whether or not what they believe they heard from God was the Lord or not. Does yes. that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect, perfect sense. And we will talk about that as we um, continue giving you all the cures for conflict. So we said study in the Bible to see what God says about how to handle conflict, praying together. The third way to cure conflict is to have open communication. Yes. Open communication. You've got to be able to talk. No one can read another person's mind. Okay. So you have to be able to talk, even if you are, if one of your, one of the spouses is shy, you know, it's not very talkative, quiet type of person. You still have to learn how to have open communication with your spouse. Now, let me jump in here and and use us for an example. So you and I, as you said earlier, um, when you get married, you're fusing two different people together, two different personalities, two different backgrounds, two different childhood experiences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With you and I, we are definitely different when it comes to uh, communication. I tend to be an open book. I tend to share what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. You don't have to ask me. Um, I tend to volunteer the information. You, on the other hand, I believe you would agree with me. You're not as open in your conversation. There's some things that you like to sit on. There's some things that you like to hold in. And, and not talk about, and sometimes you may need to be encouraged to open up and to discuss various things. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yes. So I, I, so I think a couple has to realize, you know, who is that person in the marriage? Who is the one that is more apt to be open in the conversation? And who is the one to be more reserved uh, with, with their feelings, you know, now it's not like, it's not like, and when, let me just say this about you, what I've learned, you know, about you over the years, it's not like you are shy and introverted and all of that. Not at all. You're very outgoing, uh, jovial, um, you know, free hearted, free spirited type of person. But if, if there's conflict, you don't always want to discuss matters that may cause, you know, friction. Right. Right. Can you comment on that? Yes, you're exactly right. Um, I think probably because you are so forthcoming and, and been um, like an open book, I, I, I wasn't like that in our marriage. Um, and you have to sometimes pull things out of me when we are wanting to have these real deep discussions, because I want to just keep it on the surface and, you know, probably just go pray about it and not really discuss it. Right. Um, But I have learned that you have to be able, you have to learn to discuss those things that may make you feel uncomfortable um, in order to to have a, a good, strong marriage. You just learn to do that. 
Well, also, and to be fair, I am also sometimes not wanting to talk about what you want to talk about, right? Right. I, so I think that goes both ways. I, I guess it depends on the subject. Um, right. <laughs> you know all of us at times hey you know i just don't want to talk about that right now you know can we table that you know and i can't count the number of times where you want to talk about something probably having to do with the bill something <laughs> having to do with finances <laughs> and and I, I, you know, hey, let's, you know, let's talk about that tomorrow. Let's not talk about that right now. I don't <laughs> want to discuss that. So it depends on the subject. We both can be that way. And yeah. I guess in any marriage, both couples can be talkative at times and other times. Hey, look, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that out. Yes, it, it probably <laughs> is subject dependent upon the subject. <laughs> Exactly. But we have to learn how to communicate about all things that involve both people that can have an impact on the marriage, you know, and there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, not now, but let's talk about it, you know, tomorrow at lunch, we'll go to lunch or let's talk about it over a cup of coffee. As long as it gets talked about, you can't just put, you know, push it under the rug because again, like we had said earlier, if it goes unresolved, it's going to end up maybe in some bad places. Well, we, you know, there's this, there's this thing out there about learning people's love language and all that. Um, I, I know with me, I, I've said to you at times, you know, let's, let's not, I don't like talking about, for example, financial things at night, right? Just before right. I'm getting ready to go to bed. And, and you want to talk about a bill that needs to be paid or something. And I'm like, please not, not, not right now before I get ready to go to bed, I'll be dreaming about it and, and, and all that. Uh, let's talk about that tomorrow morning when I'm fresh and I'm just getting up. Whereas you are like, well, look, we don't have to tomorrow to deal with this. You know, we're trying to uh, keep our credit good. We're trying to keep our name good and this needs to be dealt with. And so we need to deal with this now. Uh, I mean, we've, I've, we've had that conversation at 1130 at night, 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> this needs the cutoff on this bill is today and we need to get rid. We need to deal with this right now. So no, 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 we need to deal with it. So, I mean, <laughs> you want to comment on that? <laughs> You are so right. But I think it goes both ways. I think because you have, we have you in, in having open communication, you have to learn your spouse. Okay. And you have told me over and over, do not bring bills up before we go to bed. And so sometimes it's my fault because I forget about it. And then when I think about it, it is late at night. And so I just bring it up because, well, I forgot to bring it up, you know, during the daylight hours, you know, so here it goes. So I do think that it can go both ways because you have told me that and I should, you know, honor that and try not to talk about finances late at night and vice versa. If I've told you something, you know, you should try to adhere to that 
which I, you know, like or don't like. Well, so, yes. I mean, there have been times where you, I mean, you, you have a pet peeve that when you are frustrated about something and you will tell me, I, I don't want to talk about that right now. In, in fact, you don't want me to talk about that right now. Okay. I'm telling you now that that conversation is not going to go well. So, so you need to just, you know, talk to me about this later. It, I mean, because again, I know you and there, when you are in that mood, I mean, that's that you, you, the best thing for me to do is go in there and look at TV or find something else to do, pray or, or whatnot, because when you when you reach that point, I mean, you're at that point. Right. So we we have learned how to um, have open communication. I'm learning how to open up more about subject matters that I probably would not want to talk about. And I assume you, you said, probably you are said too. learning. You said learning after 33 years almost. Oh, you're still yes. learning. Yes. Definitely. Talk about that. So, so you, so after 33 years, we're still learning. We are still learning. In my opinion, you don't think you, you, you know, everything there is to oh, know. No, Lord knows we're constantly <laughs> growing. We're constantly being stretched. That's right. Marriage, marriage is work and, it and, and work. it's, it's work. It's work all the time and it doesn't stop. The work is needed all the time, right? All the time, all the time. So yes, we are still learning and we'll continue to learn, you know, as long as uh, we're together. So I think that's one thing. You're not going to know everything overnight. You're not going to know each other overnight, you know, because people change. We evolve. We don't get in one place and stay there. At least we should not. And hopefully both spouses are growing. So couple but, with well, I'm yeah. glad you said that both spouses are growing because uh you're absolutely right. Um the growth, the growth, you know, there should be growth. We right. shouldn't be in the same place, you know, after what, two years, five years, ten years, you know, there should be some growth, maturity, and development. And thank God there has been. So again, the 33 years has taught us a great deal about, you know, having open communication. And then that brings us to the next thing, honest communication. So the communication not only needs to be open, but it also needs to be honest. You know, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Right. And the scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. So while we do need to be honest, we need to do it in a way that is not offensive to the other person. Right. Because I think I think when 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 love is the foundation and you know that each spouse has the other spouse's best interests in mind, they you can be honest because they know it's coming from a good place and right. you will want someone to be honest with you. So that's very important not only to be um, to have open communication, but honest communication, you know, because we each want, you know, it says iron sharpeneth iron, 
We each want the other spouse to continue to grow and to get better and to be the best version of him or herself. And that's going to take some open dialogue, some critique. You know, you ask me a lot of times after you have um, preached a message or if I if I'm in court with you and, you know, you're handling a trial or a hearing, you're asking me for my honest feedback and vice versa. Because we want to um, help our spouses do the best that they can and be the best that they can be. I think a husband, maybe it's men generally, we just don't feel like we did a good job until we hear our spouse say, yeah, that was good. That was good. I mean, when I hear that, I don't care what anybody else say. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because that helps the marriage. If you, you should not, um, someone outside your marriage should not be the only one complimenting you on a deed or a speech or some work you did. No, it should come from your spouse. So spouses, take this as a nugget. Um, Give your spouse accolades, you know, give them praise. And then you can also critically critique them, objectively critique them because they know it's coming from a good place. You know, I I was telling someone not long ago that when you have some critique for someone, it is always wise to first share the positives. You know, here are the positives. Here are the the three positives about what you did um, in this matter. But here is one thing that you could have done better. Right. Here is something that um, you could have said in a different way or what have you, you know. So if we always couch the criticism in positives, it tends to go over a lot better. Right. That's exactly right. So, so far, some of the cures for um, handling marital conflict Study the Bible to see how God tells us to handle conflict because he's the creator of marriages. Pray together, have open communication, have honest communication. And then the next one is remember why you first fell in love with your spouse. What caused you to fall in love? Why did you want to marry this person in the first place? And with that, This is an activity you can do. Make a list of what you appreciate most about your spouse. Just make a list. Don't make the list and then throw it away. Make a list of what you appreciate most about your spouse and then keep it handy so you can refer to it when you have a heated conflict. Isn't that good? That's real good. In fact, I think what couples can do is both spouses can make a list of what they really appreciate about the other spouse and then sit down and share the list with each other. Yes. Yes. I like that. Yes. Yeah. So you, you, you know, one spouse, they agree. Okay. We're going to list 10 things that we like about each other. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to go back and forth. All right. You go first. Uh, Now my turn. You go second. I go second. Man, look at, I tell you what, by the end of that session, there's going to be some 
some some some uh, some lovey dovey going on by the end of that. That's right. That's right. I really like that. I really do because I think so many times we get so caught up in a moment, we begin to take each other for granted, you know, and just overlook the good qualities that our spouses have. So yeah, I like that. Make the list and then um, share the list with one another. And then even after doing that, still keep the list handy because you're going to need it because another conflict will arise. <laughs> well, well, yes. Now, and let's get real. There are some couples who will hear this pod- podcast and they will say, some of them will say, well, I can't really think of any good things uh, about my spouse. I mean, he does this. He doesn't do this. Vice versa. Um I think that couple can, we'll talk to that couple in just a few minutes. The the very last thing that we'll talk about, uh, we will speak to that situation because, Tony, there are all kinds of situations out there, and we can't be naive that everybody is in a marriage where they really appreciate the other spouse. Now, you take our marriage. I love you so much. You're my best friend in all of the earth. You are my soulmate. God brought us together. There's no doubt about that. And so that is a place that I can go to in my mind and heart whenever there is an issue. I can I can rest in the fact that I'm married to a woman that I know God brought in my life. God brought me in her life that she has my best interests um, in heart, at heart, and she's not going to do anything to harm me. I mean, I can rest in that, and that is so comforting. And But there are couples who cannot say the same. And... So we'll talk about what those couples can do as the very last thing as as a cure. Right. And let me just say, even though we know God brought us together, we're soulmates, we love each other, we have a strong, healthy marriage, I I still love to be with you and around you. I mean, you all, we get up and we talk, you know, we, we talk and we talk and we talk just because we like. Um, conversing with one another, you know, he still, um, you stimulate me intellectually, you know, Augustus. So I enjoy talking with you and being with you, but that's not to say we don't have issues. We have had conflicts (laughs) because this is still work. So even though I may sound all jovial, no, we still had to work through conflict like any other couple. So keep that in mind. We definitely don't want to be, you know, we're not naive, but we do know that there are some spouses that will probably be harder to live with than others. And we will give you some suggestions before we finish on how to handle those situations. And then the next um, cure for conflict would be make a declaration that your marriage is worth fighting for. Now, there are some exceptions. Unless the marriage is harming you physically, mentally, or there is unrepentant 
adultery. So, you know, we are not the type of um, ministers and preachers of the gospel who would tell you just stay in the marriage, no, you know, regardless as to what's going on, because we know God loves you and he does not want you physically or mentally harmed in any way. Or if there is unrepentant adultery in your marriage. That's right. So if those things are not going on, then make a declaration that your marriage is worth fighting for. And let me add this to Pastor Corbett. If the other spouse just decides decide they want to leave, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that either. That's what the Bible That's says. Abandonment. That's so right. if you get abandoned by your spouse, there is nothing you can do about that either. But if none of those things are going on, then we suggest that you make a declaration that your marriage is is worth fighting for. So that if it does end up in um, separation or divorce, that, you know, you would have put up a good fight for your marriage. But if someone decides to leave then he or she has his or her own will. That's good. That's really good because you have to be able to look the Lord in the face and say, Lord, I fought fought for my marriage. Right. Because marriage is really, 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 really important to the Lord. Yes. And, And family. I mean, if you study the word of God, it becomes very clear how serious God takes marriage. Yes, share much- with, yeah, excuse me, share with us. You had just mentioned to me, and I had seen it some months back about in Malachi, how God attitude, what he said about what he wants to see in the earth. Yes. In Malachi, pardon me, Malachi chapter four, I believe it is. I haven't read it in some time, but in Malachi chapter four, God told the men of Israel that, you know, they want to be prosperous. They want to have a good life. He says, but I'm withholding the blessing from you because you have been really rotten. Paraphrase. You've been really rotten toward your spouses. You have not treated your wife good. And that has been offensive to me because What I want from you and your wife is I want godly children. Yes. I I want I want godly families producing godly children. And the way that you're treating your spouses is interfering with my ability to have godly children in the earth. Yes. And I remember reading that, Pastor Corbett. That is so good. That's why we say you have to keep in mind marriage. God is the creator of marriage. And that is the one thing that he wants is to have godly marriages and those godly two people producing godly children who will continue to populate the earth and continue to advance his kingdom, reflecting Christ in the earth. So, yeah, that's good. Thanks for for mentioning that. So after you have made a declaration that you are fighting for your, for your marriage, unless there are some exceptions that we have mentioned, say that you still are having, you know, tremendous issues. I mean, there's turmoil, 
there's chaos, there's a crisis, you know, just a lot going on in your marriage. Yeah, you can't stand each other. Right. You hate that you got married. Right. You wish you were could get out of the marriage. You're not you're not sexually attracted to the person. Um, the person doesn't sexually satisfy you. Uh, just, you know, again, we can't assume that a lot of married couples are in a good place. Right. Uh, some of them are in really, really bad places. And I see it all the time as an attorney who practice family law. I see it all the time. And from Christian couples, I I had, I never forget, several years ago, I had a woman call me and um, she uh, was married to, and I'm trying to keep this as, as discreet as possible because some people would, would know this person. Um, she said, we got a number of children and he has been unfaithful, yet he is a high profile, blah, 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 in uh, in a local church here. And, you know, but this is the lifestyle that he's living that a lot of people don't know about it. And those who do know about it, excuse it because he is, you know, such a high profile person. Um and can just get away with that. I, I I mean, the stuff that that she was telling me in that consultation was really it blew my mind, quite frankly. So I so again, I see it all, I hear it all, and there are a lot of very unhappy Christian couples. So this last thing here that you're about to to mention to us is unfortunately sometimes the only solution. Yes. And that is seek professional help. Seek professional help through marriage counseling or therapy or pastoral counseling. But well, we do have we do have here, et cetera, which may mean uh, counseling with the district attorney's office if you're getting abused. Yes. Uh, or an attorney if it is time uh, to pull the plug on this marriage because the other spouse is violating scripture. Um, so sometimes professional outside help is just inevitable. Right. And that's why we said having conflicts, you're going to have them. And even, you know, the Bible said God hates divorce, but because of the hardness of man's heart, he knows divorce will happen. And so he allowed Moses to grant divorces. So we know there will be divorces even amongst spirit filled Christ following couples. Um, so if you get to that point, please seek professional help. And that can be by way of, as pastor Corbett just said, district attorney, if you're in an abusive relationship or a divorce attorney, if you have already tried the marriage counseling, the therapy, the pastoral counseling, none of that appears to be working for you. So we yes. hope we have said something on this podcast that will help those of you who are handling conflict 
we all have gone through and still are going through the pandemic. But just know that these are some tools that perhaps you can lean upon. And if um, nothing else works out, God does allow for a divorce. So let me let us end this. I want to give out two phone numbers for those conflicts that have just reached a point of just, you know, just uh, being chaotic and, you know, everything has been tried and now the situation has gotten dangerous. Uh, it's gotten abusive. Um, let me give out the number to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, uh, 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. And the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, Tony, we didn't talk about that, but some couples are so are so traumatized at this point, <clears throat> they are contemplating killing themselves and killing other people. And they need professional help and they need it now. If that's yes. anyone under the sound of my voice who's who's at that state of harming yourself, harming your spouse, harming your children. It was just a couple of weeks ago that that a man in divorce was so traumatized and, you know, just so beaten down from the process that he killed his wife and I believe his two children. Yes, I remember that just a couple of weeks ago. So the National um, Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255. And don't you feel ashamed if you need to make these phone calls. Do it and do it immediately. And again, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. So those are some resources for you all. I ask that you all will share this podcast. If you know someone who is married, any married couple can benefit from this because as we always say, it's not um, will you have conflict in your marriage? but when. So please share this and go. Um, where do they go, Pastor Corbett, to iTunes and, and do a five-star if this has been a benefit to you? Yes, they can um, listen to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Marriage Minutes podcast, and there they can write a good review and give us a five-star, give us five stars. We would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. So thank you for reminding uh, them to do that. And thank you for having me. I have enjoyed it. And we will not, um, it won't be this long of a gap the next time we get together, hopefully. In fact, before we go, if you would mention the, I think, like six different topics that we have teed up to talk about uh, over the the next uh, few weeks? Yes, some of those topics are 
leading causes of divorce, raising godly children, dealing with infidelity, handling finances, keeping the romance in the marriage, and the question, did I make a mistake? So those are some of the the topics that we plan to bring to you all via the Marriage Minutes podcast. And we added we added to that list as we were talking, we added to that list um, talking about the health uh, journey that you and I embarked upon around Thanksgiving and how it has completely changed our lives, has resulted in us losing weight and just being healthier. So we're going yeah. to add that to the list as well. All right. Uh, that is it. I enjoyed it very much. I'm always honored to have uh, my baby doll here with me on the Marriage Minutes podcast. Um, And I don't say that to try and impress anybody. I mean that this lady is my rib. This lady is my, you know, they say ride or die in the world. I'm going to say ride or live. Amen. (laughs) We, we, We live in the body of Christ. Praise God. So um, I I just thank God for her. I thank God for uh, the woman that she is. God really, really blessed me with her. And um, so if that is it, that's going to be the conclusion of this podcast. And we will see you next week. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The challenges confronting African-American men are numerous. For example, homicide is the leading cause of death for 15 to 34-year-old African-American men. And African-American men also face police brutality, unemployment, poverty, homelessness, mass incarceration, and much more. In a nutshell, systemic racism targets African-American men. But we have great news. There's a place of refuge, a place that will encourage, equip, and empower African-American men. That place is the African-American church. The African-American church? Yes, that's right. The African-American church. There's a new movement afoot in America. A growing movement of African-American clergy is revamping and reimagining the African-American church to attract African-American men. We call this movement Cushham. Cushham stands for Churches United to Save and Heal African-American Males. The mission of Cushham is to take the kingdom of God to 1 million African-American men by 2025. For more information on this new spiritual movement, please visit Cushham.org. That's C-U-S-H-A-A-M dot O-R-G. We must act now. Please get involved.